Do you have any non-Christian friends? Do you ever talk with them? Or hang out with them? Or spend any time with them at all? Or do you only surround yourself with other Christians? Not that there's anything wrong with surrounding yourself with Christians, but is that your only group of people you see? So today I want to talk about influence a little bit. It's kind of ironic. This was my next on the list podcast to do. And we're actually talking about influence in our youth ministry at church right now. So it seemed really fitting and cool to me that this was my next on the list and that's what we're talking about. But I'm taking a different approach than what we're talking about at my church right now. So how can we influence those around us for better or worse? Because in our lives, we may be the only Christian influence someone sees. So if we don't have anyone that we hang out with, that we talk to, except other Christians, we can make their lives better, yes. But we're missing the target. We're missing the one, the people Jesus commanded us to go after. But before I get into the nit and gritty of all this, let me ask this question first. Why is it important for us to not be influenced by the outside world? So I've got a verse here. It says Proverbs 6, 27 and 28. It says, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So that's saying, in my eyes, if we have influence around us, the influence will affect us. The same way if you have fire next to your chest, your clothes will be burned. So if you have ungodly people around you, that can be an influence on you. And in the Old Testament, we see numerous examples with the Israelites where they go to take new lands. And whenever they take these new lands, there's always the same command from God to burn their idols, to burn the whole city in some cases, to leave no one living even. And with that, leaving no one, leave, no one living, I know it can be difficult to think of God telling people to kill someone. But think about this just to maybe calm your heart a little. God knows our hearts fully. He created everyone and everything. He knows whether someone, for lack of a better way of saying it, deserves to continue living. And he has the right to take someone's life whenever so be it. And, you know, you could give the argument of, oh, these people could have turned to God, but he knows everything. He knows whether or not they would or wouldn't. But that's not the point of what I'm getting at. So I, I digress on that. But in all these examples where the Israelites completely tear down a city when they take it, the reason they're doing that is so they don't get, let's say, infected with the ideas of these cities because the Israelites are God's people. And so he wants to keep them in his fold. And we see how easily they get swayed throughout the entire Old Testament and all the times where they take a city and don't completely burn it down, more or less, you see them turn to other gods. So it's very clear that God puts an emphasis on us not being swayed by the outside world and that we should be careful. And for way of phrasing it, we should completely burn all of the idols in our past lives, in our current lives even, 
that are influencing us to walk away from God. But I don't think we should get stuck in this mindset of staying away from anything that can take us away from being completely obedient to God. And here's why. I think we have a new command. The old command was to burn the old cities, kill the people who would be the sway of wrong in our lives. But I think our new command is this. Let's dine with the sinners. Let's hang out with the sinners, with the worshipers of quote-unquote foreign gods. And here's my reasoning in believing this. And you probably all know this parable. But in Mark 2, 15 through 17, it says, And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So there's two main points I want to look at in this verse. So the first thing is in this scenario, it doesn't say, I'm sure he probably did, but it doesn't say that Jesus was teaching. It says that he was reclining and eating. When I'm reclining and chilling out and eating food, I'm normally not preaching. I'm hanging out with whoever I'm eating with, communicating with them, getting to know them, sharing stories. You could call it being a friend. So I think in this scenario, Jesus was being a friend with these people, with the outside people, the people that did not follow the rules of the church. And that's how we should be. We should be friends with non-Christians. I think if you only have Christian people in your life, that's great. And I don't want you to just go on some weird hunt to find non-Christians to be friends with. But I think everyone should have non-Christian friends so that you can be an influence in their life, that you can show them a different way of living. But when you have these friends, be friends with them. Don't just be preachers to them. If you're going to these people's houses, hanging out, you know, going and getting dinner with them, and all you do is preach to them the whole time, they don't want to hear that. If they wanted to hear that, they'd come to church on Sunday. Instead, become close with them. Give them examples of what God has done for you in your life. You know, one of the best ways you can connect with someone in a Christian way is just, you know, if someone needs comforting instead of cramming Bible verses down their throat, which they don't care about. Just talk about the things God has done for you in your life in those situations where you've had those same sort of scenarios happen. But live a life that shows you are different, but it also shows that you are equal as a human being, as a sinner, because we are all sinners. That phrase gets used a lot, and I feel like it gets overlooked because when we say we're all sinners, we are all sinners, all, everyone, Christian, non-Christian, believer, non-believer, you know, whatever, everyone is a sinner. So we are equal in that playing field. We are equal in the fact of being human beings. So we need to have that connection with them that shows them that we're not looking down on them, that we understand where they're coming from as a fellow sinner. 
but we also need to live our lives in a way that shows them that there's a different way to live, that there is a hope that is unseen and seen in my eyes of living for Christ and living with Christ alongside you. So my point of that is just be friends with the non-believers. Don't be a Bible thumper for lack of, lack of better words, because Jesus wasn't in that moment. He was eating and chilling out. My second point of this verse is don't care what the church thinks about you hanging with a rough crowd because Jesus didn't care. He's hanging out with these people, with sinners, with the tax collectors, the prostitutes. I think it's mentioned in one of them. But he's not caring about what the church thinks. You know, the Pharisees and the scribes, we hear about them all throughout the New Testament. And we're always, we have this mindset of them being kind of the evil character. But to the people of that time, they weren't the evil character. They were their leaders, their rabbis, their teachers. So a lot of people cared what they thought. Most people care what people think. Every, you'll always have the people saying, oh, I don't care what people think. But everyone cares to some degree. But Jesus did not care what these Pharisees and scribes thought. When they came to accuse him of hanging with these low people, he didn't care. So neither should we. If we have friends that are rough crowds, if we have friends that people would say, oh, did you see Aubrey's hanging out with this person today? Oh, well, they do this. Oh, I know. I can't believe he's hanging out with them. I thought he was a good Christian boy. Don't worry about people saying that. Because in, since I use my name, I'll use my example. I may be the only Christian those friends have. I may be the only Christian in those friends' lives to show them what being a Christian means. And I, as you know, the command says, go and make disciples. We can't make disciples if we're ignoring the people who look rough, who do things we disapprove of. But let me, with that, also say, this doesn't mean go out drinking and partying with your old friends or your current friends or whoever because you in using the excuse, oh, well, I'm being a Christian in their life. Well, no, if you're doing the same thing they are, that's not setting a good influence. That's not setting a good example of what being a Christian is because if they're seeing you do exactly the same thing as them, they're going to say, well, why would I need to give my life to Christ? You're doing the same thing I'm doing. It just seems like you're taking up more of your time on Sundays going to church. Why would I sacrifice that just to do the same thing? So don't do what they do, but be with them, encourage them, but just don't get caught up in trying to be with them and everything. You know, if you are a Christian who is struggling because of old things you were a part of, if you're a Christian who is struggling to not be influenced by the world, Maybe you do need to take a step back and not hang out with these people for a while. But we don't want that to be a crutch to always use, to stay away from old friends, old family, current family, whatever. I'll give you an example. So when I first regained my life to Christ, there was a couple times the friend group I was still very much a part of went out for birthday parties or whatever, went out drinking. And I had to say no. And they got mad at me because they were like, oh, well, you know, you never do anything with this and all this stuff. But at that point in time, I knew if I went out with them, 
I would fall back into all the stuff I was leaving behind. So if you have to be in a situation like that where you do say no, that's fine. But don't say no forever. Because you may be, you may very well be the only Christian influence these people have in their lives. And you may be the only hope they see to show them what having your heart given to Christ is like. So be the example in their life they need. And make sure you're living your life every day in a way to where you are a good influence. Don't just assume because you've got the Christian title you're being a good influence. You need to live it. Let's be very clear on that. But the best way to quote-unquote sell someone on being a Christian is to show why they need it. So don't look down on them. Respect them. Don't just sit there and preach at them. If they wanted that, they'd go to church on Sundays. But connect with them. But don't do as they do, but live a kingdom life with them and your influence in mind. And hopefully, just one of those friends of yours, you may be able to show them Christ. Christ may do, Christ will do amazing things in people's lives that we would never expect. So be an influence in someone's life. But don't be influenced as well, because God gave us a strict warning in the Old Testament to the dangers of being influenced. But with the dangers of being influenced from the world, there is great power in the influence we can have on the world. And that's just my take on this, but I'm not a pastor. <laughs>